Let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 62. Praise God, Isaiah 62. We have been in what's become a, I didn't really intend it to be that way, but just following the Lord, talking for some weeks now on these Wednesday night services about the subject of prayer. And uh, prayer is a worthy topic. It is a worthy emphasis. Prayer is the highest work of the human spirit. And uh, I, I know how the devil is, and he probably treats you the same way he treats me, attacking my mind. I'll be praying and uh, going to pray or praying, and he'll remind me of all the stuff I could be doing, all the things that, you know, that, uh, you know, prayer, okay, that's one box. And, but he said, you know, you could, you could check off 10 boxes of other things that, that need to be done, and he'll paint prayer as a time spent unproductive. He's lying to us. He's lying to us. You'll never regret any time that you spend fellowshipping with God, seeking God, releasing your faith, or cooperating with Him in prayer. And the fact is, is that we have suffered in the modern church great cost, and we've incurred great loss because of our prayerlessness. And uh, that's not to condemn anybody, but it is to you know, to state facts, uh, we need to uh, think soberly and, and really think deeply about what is my lack of prayer costing me. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you get any, you know, ask that and think long enough, the Holy Ghost will help you see, uh, help you to know some things that have been lost because we don't pray. Uh, amen. And prayer should never be a drudgery, Right? Come on, right? Think about when, when we take on a, uh, an obligatory, it's a chore, something I, I have to do to be a good Christian. Think about what that attitude must communicate to God. Even though that's not our intention, you know, if, if Amber carried around the attitude, uh, uh, i got to spend some time with my husband. Yeah, I'll be coming home. I have to be with him all evening. He's going to want to talk to me. That would say something, you know, wrong about the sweetness of the marriage, right? Or if I took on that attitude about her. And if that's going on behind the scenes, I don't want to know it, right? Praise God. Just, I don't want to know it. <laughs> but I certainly don't want to not knowingly, but take on an attitude about prayer that communicates a lack of desire to be with and to fellowship with the Creator of all things. The One who saved me, who loves me, who sustains me, who's healed my body, gives me life, brought money when I needed money. And I, I mean, you know, right? I mean, what cooler personality could you hang out with than the one who knows everything about everything. Amen. And uh, so anyway, Isaiah 62. Last week I talked to us uh, for the first lesson in this series about a, we're, we're going through the different types or kinds of prayer. Uh, prayers, just not all prayer, like sports is sports. You know, there's basketball and football and there's, that's different, right? And uh, each kind of prayer has its own application. 
Each kind of prayer has a, uh, a set of general rules that need to apply to that type of prayer to be effective. And that's why we teach on these things, not to split hairs and not to parse, not to make everything a formula, but to communicate the Bible knowledge necessary for us to be effective in our praying. Amen. You know, we deal with our flesh enough about prayer. If we're going to pray, and we are, let's be effective. Come on, let's be effective. Let's learn to lay hold of God. And so we're talking about the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. Uh, let's uh, look at verse number 6 and 7. I'll read it in the King James. And then, uh, Brother Mark, behind the booth, I'm going to want to see that in the Amplified if we can. And so it bless you. It says, I have set watchmen. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. You that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Give Him, meaning give God, no rest till He establish and till He make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Let's look at verse 6 in the Amplified Translation. It says, I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night, you who are His servants, and by your prayers put the Lord in remembrance of His promise, keep not silence. Let's go ahead and read that seventh verse. And give Him no rest until He establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise in the earth. So these watchmen are not armed guards looking for an enemy. These watchers are talking. They're holding not their peace. And their talking is directed to God. Amen? Amen. So here this term watcher is a reference to a person who gives themselves to intercession. Amen. Amen. In other words, they take on a burden, they take on an assignment, and they talk to God about it, they hold it before God, they give Him no rest. They're going to wear Him out. Reminding Him and keeping a promise before Him until... It comes to pass. Amen. God needs watchers. The church today needs watchers. You know, I, I believe that God, he, he needs, He wants more than one, but every family needs a watchman or a, watch, a watcher. Amen. Pastor Nancy related a, a, about an instance where she was getting ready one morning. And uh, a, a name from her past, from decades ago back in her uh, hometown, her small hometown, uh, that name just flashed before her. You ever had just kind of a random, someone comes up, some, a name is brought before you, and it was just, that's how subtle it was. It, it wasn't some great thunderous, pray for so-and-so. In fact, it was so subtle, she just, instead of picking up on the cue of the Spirit that that's a prayer assignment. You know, you wouldn't know if you're not taught. 
uh, you know, there's always a, a, an element of, min- of mystery to spiritual things. It's not that God's hard to figure out, but spiritual things, you know, we're not naturally just, we're so natural so much of the time. And so we have to adjust and we have to be taught and we have to learn. Well, she just got ready and reminisced. She just thought it was a memory. And she just reminisced about that person. And then went on about her day. But a couple of days later, a couple of days later, she got a phone call from her mom who lived in, still lived in that town, still does today, and let her know that that person had died. That that person had died and she realized. And this was kind of a peripheral, I think, member of her family, in her family tree. And, uh, and so this person had died and she, she, she knew then. Gosh, that was the Spirit endeavoring to get me to pray about that. A few days later, in seeking God and in a time of prayer, God spoke to her and told her, you know, you could have changed that. I tried to get you to cooperate with me. That she did not have to die. You could have changed that had you cooperated with me. And he he kind of rebuked her. and, And then he said this to her. I am making you the watchman over your family. You know, I'm sure our family trees get big, right? I'm sure that not everybody on that fam, in that family tree seeking God, walking in close fellowship with the Lord. You know God cares about them? God loves them? You know, and we should not use, as we come into greater places of spiritual maturity, we should not become spiritual snobs and look down on people. God will use the more spiritually mature to bless and to be a blessing to those who don't yet know what belongs to them. Amen. 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 The more knowledge of God we gain, the more responsible we are to take that knowledge and become a blessing to those around us. Amen. And so God said to Pastor Nancy, I am making you a watchman over your family. And... uh, Of course, he went on and said some other things, and this is all detailed in the book you all are going through and connect in the back of that book. And uh, God went on to tell her, now you won't be able to change everything for your family because you pray. But what can be changed, I expect to be changed. And that situation could have been changed. You see, in people's lives, our prayer life, our intercession, our standing in the gap for others, it's not going to be able to perfect and, and change because they have a say. Right. right, But there are degrees, there are some things that we can influence through our prayer, that we can change. And it is those things that God expects us to change in the Spirit. Amen. Go over to Isaiah 58, I believe it is. Praise God. Let me flip back and find my reference. Make sure I don't have you run a rabbit trail here. 59. Isaiah 59. And I'd like to have this in the Amplified as well. Isaiah 59 verse 16. And here it says, And he, that's God, he saw that there was no man. Now, he's not talking about male. He's talking about male or female, no person. He saw that there was no one and wondered that there was no intercessor. 
Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. Now this is a reference. God looked down upon humanity and he saw that there was no man. He saw that there was no intercessor. And because there wasn't, God provided himself one. This is a prophetic reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, the great intercessor. You know, Jesus, though he has completed his earthly ministry for now, uh, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he is still very much engaged in the activity of of earth, right? And what's going on with men, the Bible says that he ever lives to pray and to intercede for us. What has Jesus been doing since he ascended 2,000 years ago? He's constantly before the Father as our high priest, our great intercessor, where he ever lived. Isn't that bless you? He is there Glory to God, lifting up your name, your, your, God's plan for your life, your needs, your situations. He is constantly crying out, interceding, standing in the gap for you to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Go over to the book of Hebrews. We'll just move on from that scripture instead of looking at the Amplify. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hallelujah. We have got in this day and hour, got to revive uh, the prayer of intercession. Now, back in the 80s, I understand that there was a real intercessory prayer move. And much of it was right and good and very beneficial, but it got extreme. And uh, it began to do damage and hurt. And then for a decade, decades now... People have almost shied away from intercessory prayer. I know pastors who are uh, hesitant about having certain kinds of prayer groups because they're, they're wary of slipping back into that extremism. Well, what am, what am I talking about? Well, um, you know, I don't know if you were around back then. I really didn't get serious about God until I was until the, in the mid-90s, but, uh, so I missed it. Uh, but uh, people got together in camouflage. They'd dress up in camouflage and they would try to pull down, you know, principalities and powers, strongholds over cities in warring tongues. And then when they couldn't get that changed, they would say, well, we need to get higher. And they actually chartered airplanes and got on their airplanes in their fatigues and in militant tongues, they're going to pull down satanic strongholds over cities and nations. Listen, you cannot pull down a demonic power ruling in the heavenlies. You can bind their operation, but you cannot pull them down. They have a legal right to be there as long as Adam's lease is in the earth because Satan's the God of this world. Amen. If you could pull them down and permanently get rid of them, great men and women of prayer would have done so already. Amen. And then some people got extreme. You know, they were under intercession so much, they, they just became, you know, gloomy-eyed all the time. And, you know, people get depressed. And, and I, anyway, it just got extreme. But my goal, we've got to have this kind of praying in a good and right and biblical and balanced way. Because there are elements of God's plan that will never be advanced, they will never spring into manifestation without this kind of praying. 
There are people who will never turn to God. They will never be delivered. They will never be saved unless someone truly picks up that assignment, that burden for them in prayer, steps into that gap into true biblical intercession and prays through, amen, until they get the answer. Amen. And I just believe that with the help of the Holy Ghost, with a strict focus to the Word of God, that we can engage in real, effective intercession in the earth and not get weird. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4. We were talking about Jesus as the great intercessor. Look at verse 15 and 16. It says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in every time of need. Now, who's verse 15 talking about? Who is this high priest? Yes, Jesus is a high priest, our high priest. Notice, I'll flip it around. He can and is touched with the feeling of our infirmity or our weakness. I brought you here, well, for two reasons. Number one, notice the very next verse, verse 16 says, Therefore let us. Therefore let us. You see, you and I are connected. We are connected to Jesus in His intercessory ministry. Listen, we're one with Jesus. He's the head, we're the body. By the new birth, we are one with Him. One of the things that that means is, is that we've been made to share in His priestly intercessory ministry. That's one thing. Because he says, we have a high priest, therefore let us. Because we're one with him. Well, now notice this, this clue about a happening, an experience, how intercession works. Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. In other words, he is made to feel, amen, what another person who is in need is going through. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where maybe a, uh, a pastor was led or a preacher was led to preach a real strong repentance, uh, get saved evangelistic message. And just like happens, the Holy Ghost works with those words and He brings conviction. And there is conviction in the room. And you know you're saved. But a sense of, I'm lost, oh my God, I need to come to God. You almost want to, it can be so strong sometimes. Uh, and I've had this happen in my services at times. New believers would get up again under that atmosphere and come to the altar because now they're touched. And they think, well, maybe I need to come to, I need to, come to God. Maybe my salvation didn't take last week when I came to the altar. No, see, those of us who are born again, we're being touched with the lost feeling of others in the service who need to come to God. The right response in that situation is not come to the altar and get saved again, but it is to quietly under your breath yield to prayer, just maybe softly pray in the Holy Ghost and be used in, because people may be resisting. 
People may be resisting that conviction, but as we... Now, I'm not talking about jumping up and making a spectacle of yourself. Just quietly, praise God, yield to inner... Because, amen. And this doesn't just apply to having that sense of lost, right? Uh, some wild things have, have happened as you, as you can have some experiences along this line. I remember uh, Sister Alice over here. And uh, God brought her through, she, God's brought her through many things, but I'm sure you remember your open heart surgery. Well, we were there, I was there for the, the bulk of the whole surgery. And during the surgery, of course, she's unconscious under the anesthesia. Uh, when they took her off the bypass, there was so much new blood flow, new pressure now flowing through her arteries and veins back into her heart that the pressure blew a hole in her heart. Well, I didn't know this was going on. Uh, and, and none of us did. But uh, for me, we were already praying. But all of a sudden, physically, I had heart symptoms. I thought I was having a heart attack myself. All of the feelings of the tightness in the chest, the numbness of the arm, all of those physical symptoms hit me. Odd. And uh, this has happened to me more than once. And, uh, well, we just, I remember we were not shy about it. The doctor did come out and kind of tell us there was uh, a complication. And we just bore down praying in the Holy Ghost, holding her situation before God. And, of course, here she sits. Yeah, amen. amen. And uh, praise God. God just helped her out and used the surgeon and... And, uh, but after that was over, all those symptoms left me. See what's happening. I'm being touched with the feeling of Alice's conditioner. Now, I've had these experiences where I've nearly not, not before I knew that you could have, these could be some of the ways that God would lead you to pray. And I've, I've gone, Amber can tell you, I've gone uh, with heart symptoms. A lot of times if, if someone in my church had a, some sort of heart condition, was in the hospital, I would go and minister to them, go visit them, go pray for them, talk to them a little bit. A, a lot of times I'll leave the hospital with chest pains, heart symptoms, and fear would come on me. I've gone, gotten EKG. I don't know how many EKGs I've gotten. You know, I've gotten several of them. Oh, my God. Get these things, and they're all clear. I don't have a heart condition. I don't have a heart problem. <laughs> Amen. I remember Brother Hagen talking about he'd get over in the spirit, and all of a sudden he'd open his eyes, and a tumor on his arm would raise up. And then as he continued to pray, he just prayed, and that thing diminished and left, and that's how he knew. Well, praise God, whoever had that, they got on the other side of it. Now, those are kind of dramatic. It could be as subtle as a name coming up before you. And I've had that happen. One of the things, as, as we're learning, you know, we want to make ourselves available. Because, remember Isaiah 59, I looked, God said, I looked, and there was no intercessor. 
Over in Ezekiel, I think 22, it says God's searching throughout the whole earth, you know, looking to find someone to intercede, to stand in the gap for the land, but because I found none, I had to destroy it. He didn't want to judge. He didn't want to destroy the land. But because he couldn't find somebody, amen, to step into that place in the Spirit and intercede, he had to. Now, I want to say this. Why is that so? A lot of people who uh, really emphasize God's sovereignty, you know, like God's God and He's sovereign. He can do what He wants. A lot of people believe that. And I believe God is sovereign. Well, if, if there's a crisis and God's heart is to move and to intervene and to assist and bring power and deliver and help, and He's almighty and sovereign, why doesn't He just do it? Why doesn't He just do it? Is He not God? Why? Why is there a need for an intercessor in the first place? If God sees something and He wants to, He's God, why can't He just jump in there and save that person from that car accident? Well, the answer lies in Genesis. You don't have to turn there, but you might want to write it down. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. In the very beginning, when God created Adam, it says that God created Adam, He formed Adam, He formed Eve, and, he, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and after His image, and after His likeness, created He them, and said unto them, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Over all the earth, right? That's a summary. Over the fish of the sea, the cattle, all of that, right? So you have to understand God's original plan for man was to put him in the earth and as man lived in submission to him, that he would have dominion over everything that happened in the earth. Now Adam committed high treason against humanity and God and subjugated himself to the devil the devil took the keys of the authority of the planet that God had given him, and he became at that moment the God, little g, of this world. This is so vital to understand for so many things. When you want to know, why are kids in cancer hospitals? Why, why, are, are, why is there rape and incest and murder and crime and starvation and tragedy? Why? When there's a God above that everybody, that people preach like me is good, why is He letting this go on? Because God put man in charge. Now, it took 4,000 years, but God eventually got Jesus, a man, into the earth who succeeded where Adam failed, went to the cross in mankind's stead, and remember when he was down there before he ascended, he took the keys yep. of death, hell, and the grave yes. and was raised from the dead and ascended to the Father's right hand. But listen, before he ascended, you remember what he said to the church? Behold, I, all authority is given unto me in both heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. In other words, he delegated that authority not to all mankind, but to his church. So see... Jesus has restored, for the church at least, our authority down here. And now God has reverted. He's, he's back to His original plan. And that is, if God is going to do something in the earth, He's going to do it in cooperation with and with the assistance of man. 
And much of that cooperation and much of that assistance, if you will, happens in prayer. You understand that? Another way to think about this is that our prayer, our intercession, gives God permission. See, God knows full well what all the needs are. He knows what all the crisis points are. But His knowing is, does not equal permission. You know, if I'd, have, if I'd have seen during offering time, you know, Mom Arlene open up her wallet and she took out two 20s and put them in, but I saw three $100 bills. Well, I know they're there. But that doesn't give me permission to take one. Knowledge doesn't equal permission. Yeah, God knows everything. He knows all the needs, but that doesn't equal... He's a gentleman. He's lawful. This is why this, this call, not a calling, but this call, this need for the body of Christ to make themselves available to God, to stand in the gap in intercession, is so vitally important. Because God wants to move. He wants to rescue. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver. But if we don't pray, if we're too carnal, and we're too dull to hear, and we don't respond, great loss can occur. I remember one of my own church members years ago, back when we were at Jackson Street, she came to me and uh, said, Pastor, I had an alarming dream. And in this dream, I saw my kids and some of their friends over on Highway 60 between um, uh, Wycliffe heading towards K, the Cairo area. And you know, it gets kind of dangerous on that little two-lane two road. And I saw them in this dream, and they had a catastrophic car accident. And then, Pastor, two or three days later, I don't remember which, it happened. And then she said, was that, I'm assuming that was just God preparing me. Preparing me to handle. Now, thankfully, none of them died. But there was injury. And, and I said, no, sweetheart, that's not why God... Now, if you're just going to be a sweet pastor and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings... You just wink at that and say, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sure that that's, yeah, I'm sure that's right. But I had to say, to be honest, I'd say, no, no, sweetie. God showed you that because He wanted you to pray and to take authority over that. Declare that shall not happen. Next time, you know what to do. But see, that could have been very, very tragic. And then someone would go to this young person's funeral and talk about how God took so-and-so. When that's the furthest thing from the truth that you could get. That God tried. He endeavored. He's, he, he communicated it to someone who was connected to that situation. You see, I, I appreciate Brother Hagin so much. All his years of experience. I've been listening to him on this subject. You know, we just got through talking about the prayer of faith. But he's saying, you know, the prayer of faith, as, as great as it is, as effective as it is, is not going to get the job done in every instance. Amen. Because, you know, sometimes we're going to have to get the clue, get the, get the prompting from the Spirit and step into that place of intercession.
if we're going to see that thing turned. You know, for instance, I'm in my daily flow. I hope you are. And I get up and I say, Father, I thank you that today you keep me and Amber and Faith Rex and Ryan by the power of God. I thank you that you deliver us out of every evil work. Hallelujah. And that you preserve us under your heavenly kingdom. And I do the whole spiel. You're my, uh, you know, I plead the blood. I thank you for the angels. That's me praying the prayer of faith. But then later on that afternoon, I'm just, just a hypothetical scenario. My daughter's out driving now, going to school, doing different things. And all of a sudden, I, I get this sense of my daughter's in danger. My daughter's in danger. I get this alarm. And then I go, oh, she'll be fine. I already, I already prayed the prayer of faith. You could still end up in tragedy. Because if the Spirit in that case says, there needs... There needs to be more. Something else has got to be. I, I need you to do something else. See, the, you, you're not just going to throw back and be lazy on the prayer of faith. If he says, I need intercession in this, what you do is you, okay, Father, I, what is that all about, Father? And I hold that up. And if I don't know, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray in other tongues. Here's what you need to know about intercession. As long as there's a sense of foreboding or alarm or a burden or something heavy or it's just that desires on you and how do I know when to stop praying when that leaves you when that lifts are you with me you wouldn't want to stop as long as that if, 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 if as long as I had that sense hypothetically that faith was in danger, oh my God, faith, and I would just, but I, and I prayed everything I knew in English, but that's still there. What you do, this is why you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Then you say, oh, and you just stay in that flow because the, you, you're going to let the Holy Spirit who knows all pray through you perfectly. And then what happens is these old timers would say, you pray through. You pray through. In, a, in other words, maybe it takes an hour. Maybe it takes longer than an hour. But all of a sudden, and then it shifts, and you're not trying to make it shift, but you're just yielded to the Spirit. And, goes, and then all of a sudden you go, ha, 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 yeah, oh, ha, ha, glory, hallelujah, hey! Well, you know. See, that's lifted, and there's a note of victory. There's a note of joy. There's a note of confidence. Well, then, see, then you know you got that thing. Serious business. Brother Hagin related an instance in his life years ago uh, where all of a sudden he's driving along, he and his wife in the car. And back then there was no law about seatbelt. He wasn't in the habit of wearing a seatbelt. And uh, all of a sudden he had this sensation. He didn't hear God say anything. He had this sensation come on him about being thrown and ejected from a car. And they, what they do? Well, he prayed the prayer of faith. He pled the blood, claimed protection, and he even instructed Aretha because he kept having that sense of, he said, sweetie, put your seatbelt on. She goes, well, just put your seatbelt on. They put their seat, of course, they got to their destination and no problem, but he still, he still had this sensation wouldn't leave him. But he was busy with a meeting and had natural things to do. He got busy. And he didn't take time aside to pray and to figure it out. Well, he gets, he gets into another meeting. Of course, he's a guest minister, so he started another meeting. Two or three nights into the meeting, he gets interrupted right before he's about to go on, I think. 
And they said, Brother Hagan, you need to come right now. You, uh, Ken Jr., you got a long-distance phone call. And so he went and took the call, and Ken Jr. said, uh, I don't remember her name, but it was one of his nieces. And he said, well, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry. I need, we needed to tell you that this uh, Katie, let's call her Katie, uh, she was ejected from a car, and the doctors don't give her any chance to live. They don't give her any chance to live. And, and the family wants you to pray. Well, and he said, I will. But see, he, he hung up the phone going, my God, my God, my God. He was trying to, he was trying to get me to intercede. He was trying to get me to turn that. He was trying to get me, and I, got, I was too busy. And you might think, well, he's a great man of faith. Just go ahead and pray the prayer of faith. See, sometimes it's too late. That's what he said. Is sometimes it's too late to pray the prayer of faith. They said, well, what happened, Brother Hagin? She died, left a young husband and two kids, went to heaven at 25 years old. See, remember I, I, at the opening, I, I talked to you about we need to think soberly. We need to think deeply about what a lack of praying is costing us. I don't mean to put anybody in fear. We have great, we could have prayer adventures and our family members, our loved ones, ministers, fellow believers, as the Spirit would alert us and lead us, great things can be accomplished. Great tragedies can be spared. If we would live more of our daily life in tune with the Spirit of God, if we would develop our spiritual life and become sensitive to the Lord. Are you with me? Oh, praise God. Let me give you, we're running out of time, a couple of ingredients of effective intercession. Just real quick. I think there's, there's, there's three of them here that I had wanted to talk about tonight. Y'all getting anything? The first one is fervency. Effective intercessory prayer involves a fervency. And we don't have time to turn to these scriptures, but Romans 12, 11 says that we should not be slothful in business. We should be fervent in spirit. The Amplified says that we should be aglow and burning with the spirit. The message says that we should keep ourselves fueled and aflame. The Weiss translation said we should be fervent in the sphere of the spirit. Now, the word fervent means to be hot, to be zealous, to be passionate. If you've ever been used, remember I said you don't just conjure up intercession. You don't just conjure it up. You know, I'm going to go intercede. That's, you know, now I have, if I know as a pastor, you know things that people are dealing with. And I, and I have said even in recent times, Father, now... By faith, I'm just going to step into the gap and pray for so-and-so. You can call that intercession. But I'm telling you, it's a whole other thing when the Spirit of God comes on you. When the Spirit of God works that burden on you. And when that happens, I'm not trying to paint myself as some great intercessor myself. I'm learning myself. But in those times I've had, oh my God, it's just, I am, I am into it. I am yielded to the Spirit. I am, and here's the second ingredient, I'm earnest. 
I am earnest. And what does that mean? True, effective intercession is going to be both fervent and earnest, meaning sincere and heartfelt. Again, the essence of intercession is you're yielded to the Holy Ghost. That means He's being touched. He's touched. He knows. And you're going to feel that. And you're going to... Right? And you're... if. Because His heart is flowing through you at that moment, you're both hot and zealous, and, and, but you're earnest, and you mean it, and you're sincere. And it's, you didn't work it up. It's a work of the Spirit. But you got to be earnest about it. you got to be sincere about it. These things are not to be played with. Amen. The last ingredient there is perseverance. This, this is such a key to being effective in intercessory prayer, we're going to have to persevere. In other words, you know, you may not shandai shandai for five minutes and, and, and the assignment be accomplished. Pastor Nancy talks about, Brother Hagen too, that a burden will come upon her and it'll stay on her for days. Now again, you know, you've got natural duties. You can't be shut up in a room for days. Can you still intercede? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. She said that when I had natural things I needed to attend to, I I would just I would go along and my mind would be engaged with that. But in inside me, there's something going out, lifting that burden. And she, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's about. I don't. I don't know who it's for. But there's that going out, and I'm. I'm going out. And then under your breath, when, when it's time, and she said that burden will be on her for sometimes for days, and then all of a sudden it'll lift. Now here's why uh, you could see why some people get in the ditch with intercession. And they become depressed. And they become gloomy gusses. And they're no fun to be around anymore. Because I'm an intercessor. Now, it's, it's certainly true when that's on you. When that's on you. Uh, Pastor Nancy would talk about, I hope you get in that class. Get in that Connect class, you'll learn a lot about it. But she said, I, I'd come into another country and all of a sudden, a heaviness would come on me. Uh, like a depression and a heaviness and a sorrow would come on me. And because she didn't know these things at first, she thought, what's wrong with me? I'm like, man, I've got polar. What, what, what's going on with me? But she had to figure out, you're in another country, you're there on a mission, and the Holy Ghost is laying a burden on you. There's something to be prayed through. There's something to be prayed about. And she would just have to take time going about her day. Or if it gets too strong, you just have to excuse yourself. And pray that thing out. I've had times, nothing wrong with me. But I've had times I'm just praying, just building myself up, and all of a sudden I'm crying. Oh my God, my shit. And, and then, I, then it lifts. Doesn't last a long time. It lifts very quickly. And you want to go, what's that on? Man, I'm getting weird here. But see, a lot of times it doesn't take long. You yield and you, 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 you're used in intercession for something got done. Somebody got help. <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's just such great things. Great things. Glory to God that we need to get back to. 
You know, the move of God in the earth needs this kind of intercession. Right? We've desired signs, wonders, and miracles. But it's going to take this kind of praying. If God, you know, uh, and I'm closing, but if, if God, all of a sudden, here's, an, here's another way that the Holy Ghost could prompt you. With the, with, I haven't really given you a list of different ways that the invitation to intercede could come to you. But sometimes, it, I, sometimes I've just, I don't know why, Brother Paul, but I am stirred up about something. I am stirred up about miracles. I'm hungry for miracles. I got to have miracles. And, and that becomes what happens in intercession. It becomes the most paramount, all-consuming desire of your heart at that moment. And maybe you want to pray about other things. Maybe you try to pray other things. But I am just taken up with miracles. See, this is a clue that the Spirit of God is endeavoring to use you. Right? It could come just as an inner witness. Right? Just an inner witness. Or, like I said, a burden. What do I mean by burden? All of a sudden, like somebody dropped a heavy sack on you. And you got this like, I don't want to be silly. I'm trying to think of a better illustration. You ever all of have, have a suddenness? Where's the banyos? I, I, it's, it's, something has come on me. Yeah. And we got to take care of this. We got to go yeah. to the restroom. Yeah. I know that's bad. But you get it, right? You're just going along, mind your own business, and all, there's a rumbling down below. We're going to, I mean, everything stops. Yeah. Father, forgive me. I'm, I just who I is, okay? But you can... All right, I lost you now, didn't I? Just lost you. But all of a sudden, you're going along minding your own business, and all of a sudden, I got to pray. Mom, I got to pray, and I got to pray now. I got to pray now. This is the Spirit beckoning you to intercede. I've had that a few times. I got to pray, and I got to pray now. Years ago when Amber and I were dating, I was very new to these things. And I don't know, I still don't really know to this day. We had gone out to the lake just for a drive, got out, walked around, and we drove back. I was dropping her off, and all of a sudden on their way back, zoom, I got to pray, and I got to pray now. And I said, honey, if it's all right, I'm just going to drop you off. I'm going to drive back out to the lake. I was out there for a few hours. And I just prayed till that thing, all of a sudden, it's, it's no more. So you could have a winner witness. You could have that sudden burden. And then all of a sudden, if there's this random, I'm touched with the feeling, whatever that may be, sense of danger. You know, it could just be an, an urging, just an urging. I don't know, I don't know. Elizabeth said, Mom, I just got, I got to pray. Well, do it. Do it. Just a prompting, just an urging. You might get a definite leading. The Spirit of God may say, I need you to get up. I need you to get up and pray. Would you do that for me? I mean, that's a leading from the Lord. What are you going to do? Yes, sir, by faith. Just go do it. So it could come like that. And then, like I said, 
this has happened to me quite often. Just some random thing. Somebody, somebody comes up. Somebody's name in the church. I don't know. I have any specific knowledge of what they're going through. But there's a reason why me minding my own business, their name keeps coming up. Right? And you don't know, so you say, Father, I just hold sister so-and-so's name before you. Holy Spirit, help me. And take off praying in other tongues. Amen. But as a last comment here, we need to do better. Because I'm guilty. That you have a little leading. Sometimes I'll be going through the house, holding on, I'm doing whatever, and this thing come up. Go pray. Go, go pray. Go, go pray. Go pray. And it, how many of us? Nah, later. And we just set that aside. And we think because it wasn't real strong, we feel like nah, we can set that aside. Not always. Some things, the timing is critical. And we need to know this about Father, about our Heavenly Father. He's a perfect gentleman. And he's not half-hearted about anything. And if he interrupts the daily flow of your day, if he wakes you up in the middle of the night and interrupts you, when he's the one who said, sleep and rest in your sleep, then listen to her, it must be important. It must be important. Because God's not going to interrupt the daily flow of your life or wake you up at night for, frivol, for frivolous things. We need to treat these things like the weighty things that they are. Amen? And we'll have prayer adventures. Prayer adventures. I'm going to let you go, but I could tell you story after story of you know, things that I've heard over the years where people were used just mightily. Mightily. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand back up. You know, again, this kind of intersection.